Hello and welcome to the next episode of Splitting Cases. This is our first low-tech episode in honour of the Walkman used by Star-Lord in the topic for today's podcast. Which is the Guardians of the Galaxy, which we did go to see last night. And so this is uh, Hot Off the Press. Hot Off the Press! And uh, yeah, it's the 10th movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I believe. So, have you ever encountered Guardians of the Galaxy before the movie? Are you one of those kind of... Not really. Like, I don't really read comics or anything, but what I do enjoy reading is Wikipedia articles and, like, just wikia articles about comics, reading the backstory, you know, the classic runs of whatever series, but I've, yeah, never really read much about Guardians of the Galaxy. No, neither had I. This has been really the first I'd heard of it, so... I'm kind of a fair-weather Marvel fan, but... Well, I I think I would dispute that. The first you heard about Rocket was possibly the episode we did on the White Album when we were talking about Rocky Raccoon. Actually, I think I'd seen the Guardians of the Galaxy promo before that, so... But, I mean, we're... we're, It's it's semantics, pedantics, whatever, like... (laughs) Podiatry. Psychiatry? Psychiatry. Yeah, but we got to go last night, even though I was a little bit ill, you might be able to hear that my head is blocked up and full of marshmallows. Heads are definitely something you can hear over a recording. Oh, well, you know what I mean. From the goob goob, I sound like the guy from Green Day. Like, he sings like he's got a nose stuck up. But, um, yeah, we got to go to watch it on the Jumbotron, like the full wall, massive screen cinema with the, like, leather couch chairs where you relax and feel a little too comfortable. Yeah, I think I said a nothing cutie last night. When I got the tickets, the girl said to me, oh, you're in the Titan. And I just looked at her like, is that meant to mean something to me? I'm not quite sure what what that is. If you were a regular cinema goer, though, you'd be like, ooh, the Titan. Yeah, but I was just like, the Titan? What's going on here? Yeah, so we went to uh, Titan Cinema to see the movie. And... Uh, did you have any expectations before, like as far of as of Titan col- or no, not not of Titan of the the film itself? Like I I know you mentioned that you haven't really read much of the backstory or knew much about the characters, but had you heard any reviews or read any reviews prior to going to see it that sort of formed a, a pre opinion? I think I had too much expectation because I had so many people say it's amazing, the soundtrack is great, it's going to be awesome, you're going to love it. That when I went in, I'm like, I'm not going to love this as much as I think I will. It's like my brain almost wants to prove people wrong. But, yeah, I think I did. Have and a I'd positive seen, or a negative opinion? In a positive opinion. But, yeah, I'd seen the previews beforehand. That's all I really knew. I thought the trailer and the, the, like the previews for the movie were pretty fun. Mm. Like, it was a, a fairly... I thought a fairly good introduction to kind of what you were going to see, but without really ruining you know, key plot points. Yeah. Not that there was, you know, too much massive reveals or anything in there. Mm. And I think I went into it kind of expecting that it was like, when you, when you see a Marvel film, you kind of expect it to be like a superhero film, but I don't think any of them could really be classified as superheroes. It's not... Well, they could be classified as, as heroes or anti-heroes, I guess. In a way. And there that. was certainly um, supernatural elements to it. I mean... You know, you had a talking tree, for God's sake. That's pretty pretty super. Yeah. But um, before we get to the movie itself, I would like to point out that I don't go to the cinema too often, and I guess a lot of people maybe don't these days because it's pretty easy for us to watch films from home in the comfort of our own lounge room using the internet. And Legally, I, of course. Oh, well, there's no other way. But I did find it very interesting that as part of the cinema advertising, there was an ad for an internet service provider, (laughs) which was followed up by an ad for a laptop. And I was just sitting there going, I don't know if you guys should be doing this. Yeah, you're really kind of saying like cinema advertising pays and now let's promote our main competition mm. to drive people away from here. I have found that very odd. Also, there was ads for cinema advertising. And there were a lot of ads for stores within this like, complex that which also which, Yeah, were also not open at the time we were there. It's like, get a dollar off this juice. If I tried to get a dollar off the juice, like I'd be waiting until morning. You know? I'd be kicked out. Yeah, so I think their claim that cinema advertising pays is only applicable for them getting paid, yeah. not for a return on investment on the actual advertising. And ads for cinema advertising. There's a lot of ads for how you should advertise in the cinema. Yeah, it's quite like the billboard business in that regard. 
Mm. Put your advertisement here. Yeah. Really? <laughs> really? Have you ever wanted to, like, if you had enough money, rent out a cinema advertising space for, like, just even a week? Just like... Just... Well, that's my dream for where this podcast is going to go. I want to see us on billboards, cinema advertising, and one of those guys that has, like, a cardboard cutout that sits on his front and his back yes. in the podcast. And maybe we can put a QR code on the piece of cardboard so people can just get him to hold still and scan the QR code. Mm. Or we can get him to tattoo it on his forehead. Like, I don't know. Either, either or. That's either a little more permanent. But I just like the idea well, that... I figure we want a long-term staff member. Yeah, That's we committed. do. Yeah. Yeah. We want him to have some skin in it. No pun intended. True. But I think if we did have, like, a cinema advertisement, it'd kind of just have to be us... I guess quietly drinking and staring at the fourth wall, so we'd just be looking into a cinema full of people, and we'd have thirty-second advertisement. Twenty-eight seconds would be silently drinking, and then boom, our logo with the web address can come up for the last two seconds. And then they can advertise the ISPs in a laptop after that. So yeah. we don't need to mess with their schedule too no, much. No, 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 exactly. Yeah. Okay. Bring it back around. We'll, we'll uh, suggest that to the uh, kind people at Reading Cinemas. We just have to pay enough money for it. Let's talk about the movie. Because I reckon that's what just, people Just are... once. Since we called it... Yeah. We said that this was going to be about Guardians of the Galaxy. Perhaps we should. But maybe this is just the, the like prefix, the intro. Who knows? Let's go... Let's stop getting so self-referential here. I think the best thing to say from here is... Spoilers, there's going to be them. If you haven't seen the movie yet and you want to or you don't want to know what happens in the movie, probably just turn off now. We've got a lovely back catalogue of podcasts you can delve into if you haven't already. Go check it out. Uh, there's also spoilers in the Star Wars one, so be careful. Yep, but if you haven't seen Star Wars by now, don't know what you're doing. Um, but yeah, so if you haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy and you don't want to know, turn off now. For those of you who are still here... Darth Vader is Luke's father. Luke's father! Oh my god. Okay, now let's get back to Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yeah, but what I was like, what I was getting at earlier when we were vaguely talking about the movie and then vaguely talking about the Reading Cinema experience um, was the fact that it was more of a space movie than it was a superhero movie. Like, it reminded me way more of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the film version, than it did, say, Avengers. Um, I, I don't know if I agree completely. If anything, I kind of think that, like, it'd be good if more superhero movies were, like, Guardians of the Galaxy because I feel it was more fun and more in the spirit of the comics because I think sometimes uh, some of the comic book movies get a little bit too serious and get bogged down in being realistic when it's a fucking movie about something that's completely fantastical mm. and not based in reality. So why should it be? Well, I think that's sort of a reaction to the type of movies like Batman and Robin with Arnold Schwarzenegger and that kind of thing that well, makes it really silly that people think, oh, we've got to make it real serious to be true to the comic. They tried to make something lighthearted that would appeal to more people, but made it dumb. And that was the problem. The people assumed that if you made it lighthearted, you made it dumb. Like the, the trend after that was to go serious in superhero movies. And I mean, there was there was even quite a reaction to the... the um, Spider-Man movies being too light-hearted, you know? Yeah, I thought they were perfect. Like, I, the two most recent Spider-Man movies out of the sort of relaunch, <clears throat> I haven't enjoyed as much as no. the first two Spider-Man yeah. uh, movies that were brought out. I mean, the third one was a little bit um, yeah, all over so the great. place. It, it had some good moments, but... The first two were certainly better than the first two reboots. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And because it's, it had that um, light-heartedness and, and fun to it. I mean, yeah. you know, comics are written f primarily for young kids mm. and you know if you're into it when you're older it's a mix of i guess nostalgia partially but also just the need to know what happens yeah because you've been following it for so long mm. but yeah i, I think the lightheartedness in guardians worked well but you do get the reference i'm sort of making to um Hitchhiker's Guide, though, that kind Oh, of... yeah. Like, I mean, obviously, it's um, it's a different setting because most, or pretty much all of them that I can think of off the top of my head, 
uh, based on Earth. Yeah, or an Earth-like... Yeah, so you're sort of in a situation where, you know, there's more everyday type references or you're in familiar surroundings and, you know, maybe the chance to be a little bit silly is more difficult because it's more obviously out out of place. Yeah. Whereas it didn't really seem out of place because you don't have any preconception about what these different places or different people are. Hmm. So let's sort of go through the movie by going through the characters, I guess. Like, Star-Lord, obviously the main character. What was his name again? Something Quill? Peter? Peter Quill. If not... The, the, he is now. Yeah, Penny Quill. He'll be forever known as Peter Quill. Peter Quill. Um, obviously from Earth. Is it Earth he was from? Or yes. is it Earth-like planet? No, no, he's from Earth. He's from Earth, and he got taken. But I feel like after that... We just launched into the world of him as an adult, and there was no real explanation of why Mr. Blue Dude, whatever his name, Yolindu, whatever his name was, picked him up. Um, Yeah, there was. What was the explanation? The explanation at the end of the movie was he was picking him up to deliver Star-Lord to his father. Oh, that's right, because his mum died. Yeah. So so there was an explanation. And why didn't he? Well, he said that... Well, I guess that was part of the mystery at the end of the movie... Um, or maybe it wasn't a mystery, but one of the outstanding questions was who was um, Star-Lord's father? Mm. Because when they did that scan on him at the end, uh, they said that, you know, that he's not from Earth. Yes, his mother was from Earth, but his father is an ancient race or an ancient being, and they, they yeah. didn't know what. So, yeah. Yeah. Next, um, Gamora, Zoe Salada, Saldana, something like that. Zoe, Isn't Salada Joe, a biscuit? Joe, 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 Joe Jr.? <laughs> Um, she's green. She has um, a sister who's not exactly her bestie, who um, is blue and played by Karen Gillan, who is Amy Pond from Doctor Who and is totally my redhead crush. Yeah, she's pretty beautiful. She's beautiful, especially when she's first introduced and she's in the police policewoman's outfit. Oh my god! There's actually a rumor, and I guess in it's quite possible this will reference Star Wars a few times that. Uh, when she shaves her head, the the left the, the her hair is going to be used in the Star Wars movies. I don't understand what you mean. Her hair is going to be used in the Star Wars. Okay, movies. so she had a haircut. Yeah. So her hair is now like a wig. Her red hair. Why wouldn't they just like, you know, use a wig? Well, it is a wig now. Why would they make her hair into a wig? Because you make wigs from real hair, and she has nice hair. So there's a rumour that her hair will be used uh, to portray Mara Jade, yeah. who in the expanded universe in Star Wars was eventually uh, Luke Skywalker's wife. Mm. But that's just a rumour. It may not be true. That's going to be awesome hair then. I'm going to have my hots for that hair. Anyway, like, I, like going off topic from Gamora, like, I reckon that the new Star Wars movies are going to be very much like Guardians of the Galaxy because they're obviously aiming... I hope they're slightly more, not serious, but uh, maybe... All, all obviously bit... without the kind of pop culture references and the silliness yeah. about it, but just in the look and the effects of it, it's going to be very... Like, I thought the prequels for Star Wars were beautifully done effects-wise at the time, but now looking at it, it's kind of like, wow, there's just a seamlessness that you have in Guardians of the Galaxy that I reckon it'll be great for Star Wars. Yeah, well, I think... Uh, I read about a tweet that I don't think it was the direct it's not JJ it's one of the directors of one of the spin-off Star Wars movies or maybe the screenwriter um, actually tweeted uh, James Gunn who directed Guardians saying yeah. that you know well done you've made our job that much harder or gave us something <laughs> to work for or something along those yeah. lines so that's pretty cool that's awesome cool so there's Gamora yeah Gamora is um, adopted Daughter of Thanos, sister of Amy Pond, and um, obviously just wanting to get out of that life. Yep. Well, that's the story. Yep. I, I don't know much about the backstory of what happens afterwards, so I don't know if it's like a, you know, a Trixie-type situation where maybe she'll flip back. I, I don't know. No idea. No but, idea. like, I read that the actress... Like, that's all makeup as well. That's not CGI or, like, motion capture or anything. That's all makeup, which is very cool. I imagine she must have been, like, just stained green for a while. Yeah. Well, speaking of um, people actually acting and makeup, one of the other characters, 
uh, Groot. Oh man, Groot was fucking awesome. I loved Groot. Groot is a giant tree plant root man, essentially. And a root man. A root man. Don't even take don't even take that anywhere else. <laughs> You're like nothing cutesy when we went to Yankee Stadium and they sang the root 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 for the home team song. She just could not contain herself. Um but seriously, like he was great. So he can only really say, I am Groot. And he can say that in so many different ways. Um, and later on, obviously, we warned you of spoilers. So fuck you if you want, if you're still angry about spoilers. But he does say, We are Groot later on, which is yeah, it's a big moment. Oh, emotional moment. God, it's an yeah. emotional moment. Because he, like, envelopes them in his, like, roots and. Protects them. Protects saves them their lives, and basically. saves them and fills it with like lights and makes it beautiful for them. And then you just have the silence of the thing crashing into the ground. And Oh, God. Anyway, voiced by Vin Diesel, who apparently like... Must have got a massive paycheck for doing very little. Well, apparently he said, <laughs> I am Groot over a thousand times. What's that? A day's work? I don't know. But in many different ways, obviously. But also, apparently, um, he... Have you ever watched Fast and Furious movies? I saw the first one. I have not seen any of the others. I don't think I've seen any of them, but one of the famous guys from those movies, Paul Walker, died in a car crash. He did. And um, apparently Vin Diesel like, was best friends in real life with him. He's been very, very sad and doing Groot, being such a life-affirming character and someone who loves people, kind of really helped him get out of that. Oh. It was real therapy for him. That's cool. That's lovely. Yeah, it's a nice story. Yeah, it's a lovely story. And there's this moment, because um, he just fucking loved Groot the whole way through. He's really tough and badass, but just genuinely well-meaning. And there's a moment that I really loved that kind of turned my opinion around, because I think for the first half I was thinking, eh, this isn't as good as everyone says it is, but it's good, just because my brain was trying to, you know... You just wanted to pick apart everyone else's love for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I like to make people sad. Um, but I think the moment where Groot like, stabs through, like, five dudes and whacks them back and forth against the walls of a tunnel and turns around and just grins at the camera. That is a precise moment where I went, oh, this is what a lot of comic book movies are lacking because you could imagine that being, like, on a panel in a comic book. Mm. Like, you know, that comical Mm. sort of display. Yeah. Yeah, and there were so many moments that... I think you've hit the nail on the head with that, that there were so many moments that were like a panel in a comic. You know, yeah. like, it was just, just image-wise and just, just beautiful. Okay, so you spoke about Groot, and so there's sort of, like, two sides to that uh, to that part... Well, to that character. There's So we spoke about Groot, but... Oh, wait, before we go on from Groot, and once again, mentioning you shouldn't be here if you don't want spoilers, but, oh, man, at the end, when the credits, like come up and then you get the split scene before the end scene yeah that you get on all marvel movies where he's regrowing from his original root and he's dancing to jackson five so i want you back man that was an awesome moment and yeah. like he stops when drax looks at him and he's like freezing and it's just so great and then he starts dancing again it's well, so joyous it was and i was like smiling like an idiot yeah at that part as you should yeah well before we talk about drax probably more timely to talk about rocket yeah rocket raccoon rocky raccoon yeah so uh so rocky is basically a humanoid ish humanoid ish raccoon type thing apparently the backstory i guess was that he was a raccoon type animal that was pulled apart and experimented on and put back together it sounds quite awful it sounds terrible and he's like quite emotionally messed up from that. He's a very angry being. and Quite uh, hilarious. Quite hilarious and quite snarky and really doesn't care for anyone but Groot until about midway through the film. He's quite, you know, everyone for themselves. But I like that moment where you really get to know him as more than a snarky character when um, him and Drax are fighting and when they're drunk and he's drunk too much and he's really just breaking down and kind of going to the fact that there is no one like him and no one understands him and blah, blah, blah. You kind of really start feeling for him. And I think that's what this movie does really fucking well. You emotionally Yeah, you kind of identify with each character. Yeah. Yeah. Because you connect with Groot 
in the fact that he just loves people and he's just a base kind of character. You connect with Rocket because he's really misunderstood and he's an outcast. You connect with Star-Lord because he's just an everyday dude, really, with his own pain and you connect with... with some pretty good abs, though. Pretty good abs. Yeah. Um, apparently lost, like, as he was in Zero Dark Thirty and that was part of the reason he got the role. Like, they're like, can you be that shape again? And he's like, okay, let's do this. Give me six months. But, I mean, Gamora you connect with because she's got family issues. She's got her own thing going on. She's trying to carve her own path and, I mean... I just connected with her because she's connected with Amy Pond and, like, who wouldn't want to be? Rocket Raccoon is obviously completely CGI. Like, that's what I come back to as well, that a completely CGI character, I mean, compare him just in the fact that he's a CGI character to Jar Jar Binks, and he's so much more lifelike, especially with fur. I mean, when you're talking about animation and fur, think of Sully from Monsters, Inc., between the first Monsters, Inc. and the prequel, Monsters University. It's just so flowing and beautiful and realistic fur. Yeah, I, I think it's not a movie that could have been made five years ago. Mm-mm. Like, it definitely no needs the modern state of cinema effects. Every sure. every time, like, that I say that, I think... It gets topped. Yeah, it gets topped. And I think, oh, you couldn't make it any more realistic than this is without making it hyper-realistic and looking weird. But they do, and it makes it just this world, you know? So lastly? No, not even that yet. James Gunn's brother, Sean Gunn, who is Kirk from Gilmore Girls, who is just a hilarious-looking human being in that, with, like, uh, you know, he's just an oddball, um, played both the sort of lackey to the blue dude, um, but he also doubled as the um, on-set Rocket Raccoon. Oh. And they edited him out and edited Rocket Raccoon in. Who? Oh, the blue dude. That, uh, Michael... Uh, you want to look that up? I think I think that's who it is. Yeah, look that up. Um, but yeah, James Gunn's brother, Sean Gunn, did Rocket Raccoon and did this other guy um, on set Rocket Raccoon, obviously, so they had something to play to. Because I imagine that when you're playing to a completely CGI character, that might be a difficult thing if you don't have a reference point. Yeah, I would imagine it's a little bit more confusing, a bit harder to, you know, portray emotion when you're not actually yeah talking to anybody. I think for a certain amount of time with CGI, they use like tennis balls on sticks to look at. Yeah, it was Michael Rooker. Michael yeah. Rooker, and what's his character's name? I'm not sure what the character's name was. Ah, but he was in uh, Mallrats. Mallrats. And he was in uh, The Walking Dead. Yeah. Okay. So apart from. Um... The fact he's completely CGI. He's just a really cool character. And I, I just love his cynicism throughout the whole thing. And it, it brings that kind of... It cuts the cheese, essentially. Like, when there's that moment where everyone's talking to Star-Lord and it's like, I'll die with you, I'll die with you, I'll die with you. Oh, look, okay, I don't have that short a lifespan anyway. Look at us. We're all standing up. Standing up like a bunch of jackasses. I'm like, okay, this is nice. This is what this needs. Yeah. It's great. Which brings us to our other main guardian of Zigalife. Yes, which is Drax, the Destroyer. Mm. Which my, I guess my int- friend's son has a friend at preschool named Brax, B-R-A-X, or I guess that's how you spell it, but um, all I could think of when they kept saying Drax was Brax, and how my friend's son says Brax. Anyway, continue. Yeah, so the story with Drax is that uh, Ronan? Yeah, Ronan, Ronan, who works for Thanos, killed his wife and daughter. Yeah. So he, when we meet him, it's... Well, actually, maybe, let's take a step back, maybe. Step back. So before we get into Drax, the one thing that I liked about the movie, this really cool thing where they kind of introduce you to all the characters in a, at once or most of them in a way that wasn't jarring yeah so they kind of set it up so there was this opening scene which was you know pretty fun and relaxed and sort of changed in tone a, a couple of times mm. but then they had sort of set this up so that four of those five characters converged at once 
Yeah, because you had um, Star-Lord stealing that orb. Well, it was after the stealing it, I guess, when he was trying to sell it. Mm. So he's trying to sell it, and then so Gamora is there to get it back for what you believe to be at the time, Ronan. And then Rocket and Groot are there to capture Star-Lord. So you have those four characters in the same spot, so you sort yeah. of get a little bit of an introduction to them. They get captured, they get put into prison, and then you meet Drax. So it's kind of like in the you know opening maybe 20 minutes of the movie, you're meeting all these people and sort of establishing what their characters are like. And it, it was done in a fairly natural way that didn't seem too forced. Yeah, very much so. I really liked the way they did it. And obviously when they were meeting and you had, um, you had Rocket Raccoon looking for, looking for Star-Lord, Peter Quill, um, we had the obligatory Stan Lee cameo in the Marvel movie. Um, we did. When he was looking through the binoculars at people and there was an old perv hitting on a young lady. Yes. And that was Stan Lee. Good on you, dude. But Drax, like, he comes across at first as like, a badass, a tough guy, you don't like him, he's going to kill Gamora, that's the way it is, this is the kind of character you're looking at. Although at that point, I wasn't really attached to Gamora, I was like, well... Fuck her. Yeah. Fuck him. But like, I guess as the movie goes on, you change opinion there. But I think unless... You kind of get the feeling from straight on, she'll be she'll be a sympathetic character eventually, you know? Yeah. Like, you don't have someone playing as large a part as that and you hate him for the whole time, unless they're the villain. Um, but with Drax, like, you honestly don't kind of expect the extent of the change that he does go through. And at the end, he's gone from this really, you know, fucking hateful character to... Yeah, gruff. Gruff. Where this sort of comes to mind. Yeah. Um, To someone who really considers these guys friends, though still calls Gamora a whore, in a a loving way. My only criticism of the movie, and it's not really a big one, it didn't detract from my enjoyment whatsoever, is the villains seemed very underdeveloped. Yeah. And you kind of never really got to get what they were doing, why they were doing it, or yeah, or even much screen time with them. Like It was kind of like you're meant to be worried that Ronan was going to do all this stuff, but you didn't really know what his deal was. Yeah. Or much about him. And then Thanos was there, who's, you know, a big character in the Marvel Universe, but, you know, there wasn't really much going on there either. Well, I expect with Thanos, like, the way you saw his projection on the screen, the way you saw his hologram was sort of very much like the Emperor in Star Wars, that you know, well, you know now that you yeah, get to know him in later like the movies. Big, big bad, as yeah. opposed to the big bad. Like, we'll yeah. get to know him in the further ca- further movies. Like, yeah. you'll get more of him. But, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like, you were kind of open on him being a dick, yelling at everybody, chopping some really seem doing anything you the chop whole time. He just sort of looks dudes. moody the yeah, whole time. you do. You kind of, yeah, he's yeah. just like, mm, I'm crying. And when they My put face the... is all black. When you open on Ronan, or at least one of the scenes with Ronan, they're um, putting his kind of headdress thing on, and it almost looks like a Darth Vader shape from the back. And also, when you close in on it, with the meshing look, it almost looks like Shredder's helmet. It looked like Shredder a little bit, but obviously from the front it didn't. Ronan was played by Lee Pace, who played the main character, or the main lead male in a show called Pushing Daisies, which is one of my all-time favourite shows, which only lasted two seasons um, because it was such a high production cost that during the writer's strike in the early 2000s or mid-2000s, um, it got cancelled be- purely because it waited so long for the writers to carry on that it just, it just ended up... Lost momentum and became a victim of it because purely it was just too high a cost, so... But anyway, Lee Pace is, was really great in that, and unfortunately, I haven't seen him in too much since. He was in that, like, Clifford the Big Dog movie, but other than I mean, that's not really acting resume. He went for the role of, like, Star-Lord, I think, and ended up getting um, Ronan. So I've never really pl- seen him play, like, such a badass character, but I didn't recognise him at all until afterwards, you know? Yeah, I've never seen that dude before. Like, mm. he didn't seem familiar to me. But I didn't recognise him. I've watched the dude in two seasons or something, but I've never really... I didn't really recognise him the whole time. You know, I think, in a way, like, I, I liked the character as a villain. He was a scary villain. And I guess I rationalised it with 
scary dude wants power. Evil dude wants this thing because he will have power, you know? Yeah. But you don't really get that backstory of why does he want power? Who is he? What's he done? Where's he going? What's he want the power for? Like I said, it didn't detract from the movie at all. It's a very minor um, complaint. And it's, it's probably not even a complaint. Just something I had noticed that seemed different from some other movies. Okay, so maybe... Oh, hold on. Apart from um, Ronan, the only really ca- other character apart from Thanos, because we don't really get to know that we haven't talked about, is um, Michael Rooker's character Yondu, who had a major role to play in it, but we didn't see too much, that he was the one, we find out, who picked up Star-Lord as a child from his home planet, and as we were discussing before, it was revealed that he was planning to take him to his father because apparently he's part human, part something else. Yeah, but I think you see they didn't deliver him because his dad was a bit of a jerk. Mm. I think it was the, almost the quote. Could his dad possibly be Thanos? Mm, I don't know. I don't think so. I don't think that's where that's going, but no. it explains why he's a bit of a jerk. Yeah, no, I don't think that'll be the case. <clears throat> no, okay. But So, we sort of talked about the the characters in the movie and the basic premise, which is hmm. the bunch of misfits chucked together. Misfits in de- space. Defeat bad guy who yeah. wants power. Yeah, that, that's pretty much the. It's a classic story arc. Yeah, and they they do defeat him at the end. Yeah, um, bad dude. And dead. Obviously, the bad bad dude Thanos is still kicking around. Yeah, and uh, Nebula, uh, which is Amy Pond, is mm-hmm. is still. Kicking around, though, had her well. arm cut off. Yeah, but she has cybernetic arms. So yeah, that's I, true. I don't know if that really makes much difference. It's very Skywalker. It was a little bit, but yeah. So, but the the ending, I was really worried for a couple of moments that when um, Rocket flew into the ship and like took Ronan down after like Star Wars had shot Ronan and that didn't do anything and then Rocket came into the ship ran into him and then Ronan was gone for a while it was like hang on that can't have been that easy yeah like yeah if that would be really lame if that was all there was you knew he was coming back yeah but then like for a couple of moments I was like just really worried that that wouldn't happen yeah and I was like oh that would be really lame if they sort of let it hang no but he did come back and then you found out partly that Star Lord wasn't all him because he could handle the the stone and yeah all so that stuff. We didn't really talk about the stone, so <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a stone, not a like regular stone. It's a stone of great power. It causes people to burn up if you touch it, but certain people can handle it. There you go, pretty much. Um, so I think the big thing we haven't talked about is the music. Agree. Um, so as we sort of mentioned at the start of the episode, we thought it was quite appropriate to record this lo-fi version of Splitting Cases because of the whole focus on the Walkman yeah. situation in the movie and cassette situation. Because Star-Lord was picked up as a child in the 80s, um, he was 88 maybe, he had a Walkman given to him by his mother who passed away and his mother made him a mixtape. At the like, he had a mixtape from his mother at the start of the movie and then you find out at the end that the present she gave him when she died was another mixtape. Number you know, two. Number two. So I guess that's what we'll hear in the second movie. But um, it just meant that it was a movie not based on Earth, but had really great pop culture references, which made it really fun. Yeah. So of the songs that were in the movie, let's not get into them all right now, but as far as the one during the movie when it came on, there's really something about when you hear a song you like, the moves on those massive speakers, that big sound where you go, fuck, I love this song. If only mm. I could hear the song like this all the time. At home, that was all like the when time. I saw the George Harrison um, Martin Scorsese documentary and I heard Wawa and A Waiting on You All coming through the Dendy Newtown speakers, and oh my god, I could have never heard it like that again. I think that's why I go to like see live music so much because it just sounds so much different and better when you hear it reproduced again on the CD even though it's not the same you hear it kind of a little bit differently because you've seen it or heard it in another context absolutely what what song was that for you? last night Moon Age Daydream Moon Age Daydream by Bowie by David Bowie which is uh, Bowie's probably a a good artist for that type of movie I'm an alligator 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, of all the ones to choose as well, that worked. It wasn't too cliche. It wasn't yeah. too, like, uh, going control to Major Tommy. It was... Or Life on Mars. Or yeah, like you that. know, like, they could have made it cheesy, but they didn't, which is really, really cool. Um, but I also like the use of Cherry Bomb by the Runaways. Yeah, that was cool. I thought that, that was, was cool. really cool. It was badass. Um... Obviously, as well, we mentioned Groot at the end during the credit sequence as a baby Groot, regrowing yeah. himself, dancing to I Want You Back, which is very cool by the Jackson 5. It kind of ended things on a really nice note. Um, sort of opened a bit in the opening ones with Thy Martin Love by 10cc. I always just think of, like, uh, the text version of a Wady Boys version oh, of that. Man, yeah. <laughs> what a creepy version text. All right, what else stood out for you? That's probably it. Like, I mean... As far as the ones that, like, I personally had some sort of connection to. I mean, that all sounded good. Yeah, well... It it was all sort of appropriately placed. I like the fact that it wasn't, like, super cool 80s as well, you know? It wasn't, like, all the, like, super cool indie songs you would, like, expect. Like, there was the Pina Colada song. They they didn't have heroes. Yeah, (laughs) man. Exactly. Or, um... I don't know, this charming man or something. It would have felt like a cop-out if he had been like, yeah, my mom made me this mixtape and it's full of all the cool stuff you've all you've all gotten into now, you know? Uh. Yeah, and also, it's probably not very fun to like watch a scene with Lovell Terrace apart yeah. <laughs> in the background. Yeah. It's not that type of movie. But Pina Colada, yeah, yeah. totally. If you like Pina Colada... Oh, one thing we didn't mention, and I don't know if you've seen any, is... um. Have you been watching Marvel's Agent of Agent of Shit? I Agent have of not. Shit? I have not. So, uh, to some extent, in this movie, I guess there's some like maybe potentially some future tie-ins, but um, but definitely in Captain America too, there was a lot of connections made between the movie and the TV series. Mm. And in fact, probably the last half or maybe last third of that series, well, the first season that's been out, changed completely after the events of the movie. Mm. So that's all, also one of the other things that Marvel's doing really good is like connecting all these different properties in yeah. one consistent universe. Yeah. And it really makes there it feel lo- a bit more involved. There are a lot of tie-ins between the different individual superhero movies and a lot of references and a lot of cameos from people. And obviously, even even the fact that they build up to an Avengers movie, you know, and they're building up to another Avengers movie with the different sequels. They're expanding the individual character properties with their own movies, but in the storylines, building up to where they would go with the next group movie. Like, it's well fucking planned out, man. Well, I think Avengers 2 is the next Mm -hmm. um, Marvel movie that's that's planned. Yeah, so I think Avengers is next year. Okay. Because I think next year, Marvel slash Disney have... In May or June, Avengers 2, and then in December, they have Star Wars Episode 7. Mm. So it's going to be a, a big year for, for Disney. Oh, totally. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Avengers 2, uh, May 1, 2015. Oh, wow. So it's, it's pretty close. Marvel is kicking ass with the movies. I think it's just, it's just time to the technology well. I watched a Stan Lee documentary the other day on the comic books um, and his life and how he tried to get movies and TV happening from the 80s, you know, and it just never worked out. And I think a lot of that was purely because a lot of his storylines and characters were really hard to translate. I think the technology had to really catch up. But I've heard so many people say, like, kids don't understand how uncool it was to like that stuff Yeah, back in the day, you know, before the films came along and made it this huge thing. And now it's a huge property. It's really taking off. So in the next 10 years, we're going to have this major backlog of, of Marvel and DC and comic book films. And when you get into the fact that these huge comic book distributors have their own movies coming out, you get stuff, coming out based on, based on graphic novels like Sin City and um, Scott Pilgrim and things because that world is becoming a rich source of content for filmmakers. It's just... I, I do feel that like I'm personally happy with that because I enjoy those films mm. and even the bad ones I can enjoy for what they are. But what does concern me is that between you know Hollywood producing comic book movies, remakes... 
It's kind of like uh, no original like, films have come is out. There not much original stuff. Coming but that's out? where that's where your indie that's where your indie films come through. You know. Yeah, but sometimes you don't. There needs to be something in the middle. Like, you know, not everyone wants to watch some art house indie film. Then I like, like art house indie. Films. So do I. But like, there needs to be stuff that's you know appeals to a broad audience, but is still meaningful, not just some crappy. Rom com that well, makes think, you want to bath. I think that is a huge problem, and it's the it's to an extent the same with the music industry. That if you want to go and look for the good stuff, it's out there. If you want to invest in it, it's out there. But if you just want to consume what is at the major chain cinemas or what's coming out, um, what's being advertised everywhere, what's got a huge marketing budget, what's huge special effects wise, you're just going to get the bare minimum, you know? And, and I know a lot of people who are like, there's nothing original out there. It's all based off comics. It's all based off this. It's because you, you're just consuming what's coming to the cinemas. You have, you've got to look deeper if you want that stuff. So Yeah, but I guess what I'm saying is that... You want some but, happy medium. Well, no. It, just maybe 20 years ago... Scarface. You could, taxi driver. You could only go to... There was no other way to watch movies. Mm. So therefore, some of these lower scale or lower budget movies would still be available in the same places. Yeah. May not have played for as long or in as many cinemas, but you still went to that place. Yeah, I agree. Whereas now you've got this fragmentation where it's kind of like, oh, well, if you want that, you need to know that you need to look on this message board and you need to follow this. Oh, absolutely. It's It's making it more exclusive to the point where people aren't just going to stumble upon it by accident. It's like the whole thing of um, with the fact that there's not really a huge record store culture anymore. People don't just pick up albums based on the cover and go, "Oh, I like the look of this. I'll yeah. check it out." You know, people have already fucking streamed the whole album before they consider buying it. And even if they like it a lot of the time, they won't consider buying it because they can stream it and they've already got it there. And not even that. It's kind of like the uh, previews, trailers. People decide if they like something off a 10 second snippet or a 40 second snippet yeah. which could not I don't know which might not be representation or, or might not be representative of the entire piece of work it's the cult it's it's seriously the culture the media landscape at the moment I mean what that... we need to bring back is what happened in a clockwork orange where you just sit someone down in front of the TV, you force their eyes open, and you just say, watch all this shit. Yeah, but here's the problem. My then argument is that takes a lot of individual effort to pin certain people down. Who do you pin down? How do you pin a mass amount of people down? And then you're into slavery, and then it just becomes, you know, Uh, legally... It's for the greater good. It's for the greater good. No, you can't. There's just got to be, I don't know, I, there's no answers. There's no answers to this. Okay, maybe we just get bowlers caps for Let's, everybody. <laughs> that's exactly, cases, bowlers caps. That's exactly how it works. Um, let's finish this up, but let's yep. quickly get back onto um, just music for a second. The Uga Chaka song, all I could think of when they were playing the Hooked on a Feeling song was, um, even if you didn't watch it, the CGI baby from Ally McBeal, the dancing baby yeah. that became an internet thing. That's all I can see when I hear that song. I always, like, get mixed up between Hooked on a Feeling and More Than a Feeling. Mm -hmm. Because isn't More Than a Feeling a Boston song? Yeah, but that's an awesome song. You can't get that mixed up. Yeah, I know. But just, like, like, I don't get the songs mixed up. I get the names of the songs to the song. Well, I don't think of that song as Hooked on a Feeling. I think of that as Ooga Chaka. Ooga Chaka, Ooga Chaka, Ooga Chaka. You know? Okay, I do know. You do know. I know. know. You know. Okay. Another interesting thing is with all Marvel movies, apart from the obligatory Stan Lee cameo, there is an end credit sequence that usually hints to a future movie. What was this one? I don't really know much about what it means to the movie series as a whole. Well, it was but obviously it was, like... But it was How the Duck, and there was a character which we didn't really talk about earlier on the episode, which is the Collector. Yeah, uh, Benicio Del Toro. Exactly. Who actually... Uh, featured in the end uh, credit sequence for um, Captain America 2. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, so basically just a section seeing him in the ruins of his, I guess, museum 
of things he's collected. Museum of things he's collected. Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Um, and which got destroyed when he tried to take. When well, when his assistant tried to destroy herself with the power of the stone that is the thing. Blah blah blah. Yeah, and then he turns around. He's talking to someone and pans back, and he's talking to a duck. Yeah, and not How pl- would... not pluck a duck. Though. Not pluck a duck. No, very Australian reference there. Um, how would the duck is a very I don't know very little about Howard the Duck. He's a very unlikely comic book kind of hero. I like the name star. very much though. He's got my naming category for things. Like I name fishes my my fish is named Bradley because I I, I think a colleague of mine described it as I like to name name animals like white middle class white middle class <laughs> names. Yeah. <laughs> Like Bradley or Stuart or something like that. You know, I like them to have... William. William, like like Cooper or something like that, you know? Like maybe I'm just naming them all versions of the word, of the name Bradley Cooper who played Rocket. But, um, you know, like I like that. I like that kind of naming convention. It seems, it seems odd for like an animal to be named something they shouldn't be. It's like, Paul, that's a, hum- that's a human's name. No, it's a cat's name. Um, but yeah, how the duck... I've never really heard of, apart from the fact that, like, I know he was a comic book character. Wasn't George Lucas involved in Howard the Duck somehow? Oh, God knows. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll reconvene in the future and talk about Howard the Duck when we've researched a bit more, but he certainly was referenced in the end credit sequence, and I've got to say, I'm sure the, I'm sure the majority of viewers wouldn't know exactly no. who he is like we do. Um, like, we don't. <laughs> but I did see... He was in a clip in that Stanley documentary I watched at the end. Um, he was in a clip showcasing the Marvel properties that didn't really work as films. You know, like when he was trying to get stuff off the ground in the late eighties, he was like, "There was a series of just flop, terrible films because the technology didn't work." And there was like what looked like a midget in a duck suit, like a very pluck a duck type suit as Howard the Duck playing guitar like a Marty McFly situation on stage. And I was like, this is like a terrible, nightmarish, pluck-a-duck, superhero, villain-type situation. So I was quite surprised to see him at the end credit sequence. Yeah, I I only knew who it was specifically because I'd already sort of ruined it for myself beforehand. Oh, you jerk. I, I didn't ruin the movie. I was just reading about the end oh, credit sequences yeah. of Marvel oh, movies, and that was wait. it. You can't wait. Okay, well, okay. Parting words. <coughs> so, favorite Marvel movie so far? Before we finish up, if you need time, I can go first. Go first. Captain America Two. Captain America Two is your favorite out of the Marvel movies so far. It was amazing. Have you seen it? Yeah, I've seen it now. It's great. I actually. Um, you know Hannah, who appeared on our uh, series? I, I know Hannah, yes. I was more talking to the listeners here. You know Hannah. He, she appeared on the Trash TV episode. And a little bit in the Star Wars episode. So, I was saying to her the other day, um, as I was saying to Nothing Cutesy as well, um, if Pointy and I were both cryogenically frozen, one of us didn't know the other was alive, and we came together, and one of us brainwashed, and one of us was sort of a superhero-type character... Which one of us would be Bucky, and which one of us would be Captain America? And from the two answers I got from Nothing Kitsy and Hannah, I would be Bucky. And that's okay. Like, that's totally Bucky cool. was pretty badass. Bucky was pretty badass. Like, that's fine. But, like, I did for some reason go on that tangent and decide to have to ask both of those ladies. Like, not, not, even, not even on the powers on superhero versus villain thing. I was just like... I wonder if this happened in real life, what would happen? But, um, yeah, look, I liked it. It was really good. I thought it was excellent and probably um, way better than Captain America 1. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Heads and shoulders above it. Because Captain America 1 was cartoony. But, I mean, we could, do, we could do a fucking Marvel podcast, you know? Someone who's interested in Marvel, if you're listening and you want to come on, contact us. Yeah, John D, you'll be on here one day. Yo! But, oh, God. I like the Iron Man series. Yeah, did you like Iron Man 3? I don't think I've fucking seen Iron Man 3. Oh. So you're such a big fan of the series. Oh, shut your face. No, hold on. I loved Iron Man when it came out purely because I'd I'd seen the Spider-Man films and Spider-Man 3 disappointed me. And there was something about sort of the cynicism of the whole superhero ID 
the cynicism of the whole superhero idea that Robert Downey Jr. as Tony Stark had it was it was very Batman-y. Iron Man is totally Marvel's Batman, so it's no surprise why I really like Iron Man. Um, but I mean, uh, okay, you look confused, but total like rich white guy, no real powers within himself, but relies on the suit and the technology and the money. Yeah, but I I think they have totally different motivations for what they do. Totally different motivations. But if you're going to compare the two, is there a Marvel character more like Batman, who is my favorite Black DC? Panther. No. Why is he more like Batman? Okay. Iron Man is totally Marvel's Batman. Well, I guess he's rich and has a suit. I saw Iron Man 2 at the movies, and for some reason, when it was the movies, I didn't get to see Iron Man 3. And because I moved on to the Avengers, I think I completely forgot about Iron Man 3 for some reason. assumed I'd seen it because I'd seen Iron Man 2, and I was just melding them in my mind. Well, Iron Man 3 came out after the Avengers. Did it? Yeah. Oh, so... God. Then I've completely missed... Iron Man 3. Okay. And I love Iron Man 1 and 2. Okay, well, watch. I'd be interested to see what you think. So, Iron Man is your favourite? Yeah. One or two? One. Good. Yeah, definitely one. What about superhero movies overall, though? Batman, Which 1989, one? Joker. Yeah. Easy, 100%. And then if you want to go, um, new ones, Dark Knight, easy. You know, but we'll go into this in future because I want to do a superhero episode, like only spandex and capes and undies on the outside and that like kind of superhero. superhero Let's wait you know? till wait till um, summer, and we'll do it in summer in speedos and singlets. Nobody and wants that can, to that see be, that. And that can be a requirement of people coming on the podcast. They need to be dressed superhero like. All right, yeah, but not just speedos because nobody wants to see that. I mean, we're not we're not your typical um, comic book nerds, but my god, like, I don't think I'd feel entirely comfortable sitting around in speedos. But you know, we'll we'll do it for the podcast. Yeah, you gotta you gotta suffer for your art. You have to suffer for your art, exactly. Okay. Well, we don't need a star system. We just like the movie. It was good. I hope you liked it too. Um, and I hope you haven't gone around telling your friends how amazing it was because that just ruins movies for people. I agree. Mm. Well, it just makes you suspicious of the mm. movie. Totally suspicious. Special effects-wise, awesome. Music-wise, awesome. Characters, very cool. Yeah. Eight Groots out of ten Groots. I am Groot. Okay, so if you want to keep in touch with us or have a chat with us, uh, you can hit us up on Facebook at... Facebook.com slash Splitting Cases. Or... Podbean. Or iTunes or Stitcher or Iron Man Twitter Twitter oh that's a thing yeah no at Splitting Cases <laughs> or you can just come to our houses some of you that listen know where that is so let us let us nuts. know that's creepy if you just turn up that's, yeah I'm just warning you that's creepy if you yeah. just turn up yeah it would be contact but, us and we'll organise a time and a place but yeah leave a review for us on iTunes that'd be great we'd love that we'd really appreciate that Okay, bye. Bye. I am Groot. I am Iron Man. <laughs>